Swing and a drive! Welcome to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter. Hi, guys. Welcome to another edition of Red, White, and Blue Jays. Uh, Thank you so much for all the feedback that you're giving uh, over the various interviews that we're doing. And what I love doing on this pod is catching up with people from all sorts of walks of life and different connections that uh, I've made over the years of following the Jays. And I'm really thrilled today to catch up with somebody that I've spoken to quite a bit, but um, we sort of lost touch a little bit over, I don't know, over a little period of time. And uh, just through a connection with Elizabeth, who helps us with our live pods, uh, reminded me of Rhonda. And uh, so Rhonda and I caught up again, and I'm really thrilled, Rhonda, that you've got a bit of time this afternoon for you, evening here, to, to catch up. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. How are you, Steve? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, really, really well. Really pleased to uh, finally put a face to the uh, to the Twitter handle and the Facebook uh, profile and all that sort of stuff. Because you know, when you meet people across social media, it's not not quite the same, is it, as actually speaking to somebody face to face and and hearing a little bit about their story. Absolutely. Now. Part of your connection with us, and, and, and obviously we are primarily about a UK group, but we have lots of friends across, across the world, uh, but certainly a lot, a lot into Canada for obvious reasons. You first connected with me, and I think it was probably on Twitter, because you were based here in the UK. Now, just as a sort of bit of introduction to you and, and your story, can you just give us a little bit of a backdrop in terms of where you are at the moment, how you came to be coming to the UK, all of that, that sort of thing. That would be really helpful. Sure. Um, so I worked for a very long time for a big global corporation. And a few years ago, they got bought out. And so they offered me a very nice severance package to just go away. Uh, so I chose to go back to school uh, instead of finding another job. And uh, I went back to school And after doing an undergraduate degree at the University of Toronto, I decided I wasn't quite finished. So I applied to do a graduate program and I ended up getting accepted to the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. And that's how I ended up living in Scotland through a pandemic. Um, (laughs) Amazing. So so what were you studying? What what was the what's the course that you're doing? So the course I did at the University of St. Andrews was um, a, a master's in Romantic and Victorian studies. So basically, I am an old book nerd. Uh, so <laughs> Fantastic! You, you would get on with my wife brilliantly. Uh, she loves all that sort of all that sort of stuff. I mean, I mean, the opportunity. Let's just go back to the um, uh, obviously leaving your your corporate world. I mean, that must have been quite um, a moment for you to think. Uh, here I am. Uh, I have a decision, I guess, in life to make in terms of do I just carry on getting on the treadmill and doing the the work thing or sort of jumping off that and I guess running after a passion that you had. How how difficult was that to do? Well, it it took a little bit of a a step in between. So I left 
my job um, in 2015. And I actually went and spent a few months in Italy and just traveled around Italy and relaxed and took some time off because I had worked for this company for 27 years. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I took a bit of a break. Um, and then when I went, when I came back to Canada, um, another company out on the West Coast had actually headhunted me and was looking to move me out to Vancouver to do some, some, some work for them. And I wasn't really sure about it. I didn't really know if I wanted to do it or not, but my, the rest of my family live on Vancouver Island. So my parents are there, my brother and his family. And I thought, if a company wants to pay to move me to Vancouver, closer to my family, who I didn't get to see a whole lot, you know, the parents are getting older and, you know, my nieces were getting older and I hadn't spent much time with them. So I thought, let's make the move and see how it goes. Um, it didn't go very well, obviously, because I lasted just over a year with that company. Um, but it was the step that I needed for me to realize that I needed to get off the corporate wheel and go and do something different. So it was really the catalyst that said, change the path, do something different now. And so I thought, I'm just going to apply to programs. And if I get accepted, then that's the, you know, the universe telling me that I'm on the right path. Um, and I was accepted to all five universities that I had applied to. Of course, they were all back in Ontario because I missed being in Ontario where I, I had lived for most of my adult life. So um, I ended up going to the University of Toronto. And then while I was going to school at the University of Toronto, that's when I actually that's when I met Elizabeth, because that's when I actually started working with Jay's Care at the baseball games. And that's how I met Elizabeth. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so did you grow up in Vancouver? Was that, is that your home city? No, I actually grew up um, about two hours northwest of Toronto in a very tiny town of 2000 people. Um, so, yeah, my dad was in the Canadian military when I was very young, um, but he retired when I was about six. And we ended up living in this very small town, just kind of a couple hours northwest of Toronto, um, sort of around London, Ontario, kind of between London and Windsor and Toronto, sort of in that little triangle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Know it well. Been, been to London, been to Windsor. So done the trip down through Southern Ontario, across to Chicago. That's where we were heading. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, so I actually, I live in, so I live in London now. Right. Okay. I was going to say where, whereabouts in, uh, in Ontario you are. Okay. So grew up in Ontario. Family have obviously relocated out to Vancouver. Um, which of course is other side of the country, and in fact, somebody somewhere I'm going this year for the first time, so I'm looking forward to um, going out west. I've not been to that part of Canada. You will love it; it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah every, everybody tells me that it, it's it's very lovely, very expensive. Um, great, great place to to hang and out. That's coming from somebody who actually lived in Toronto for most of her life. Vancouver sure. is very expensive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we're doing the the drive from Vancouver across to Calgary up through the, the Rockies and, and stuff. So really looking forward to, to, to that and, and seeing a different part of, of your country. Back in Ontario, though, so you're, you've applied, you're at um, the University of Toronto. What was that culture shock like going back into the classroom, as it were, after all those years in corporate world? Yeah, it was especially going into something so completely different. So in my corporate life, I was doing a lot of 
data analytics. I worked in supply chain. So I did a lot of data anal analytics and forecasting and um, a lot of traveling and training and development and project management. And now all of a sudden, I'm spending my days reading a thousand page long Dickens novels. You know, this is what my life had become. Um, it was, a, I thought it was going to be a much more difficult transition than it actually was. I was really concerned about doing an undergraduate degree surrounded by a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds. Um, but honestly, and I'm going to call them the kids and I know that that's, you know, whatever. Um, but the kids that I was in class with were absolutely brilliant. Um, very smart, very welcoming, uh, very excited to hear the perspectives from somebody who lived a different lifestyle than they had and had a different range of experience. Um, so I made some very good friends. I did meet some other mature students along the way in some of my classes and made some friends through that. Um, so it was it was actually really, I it, like, it felt like I was doing, well, I was, I was doing something completely new, but it just was, I felt kind of re-energized and recharged. So, you know, after you spend so many years going into an office and doing the same thing, it starts to become routine and it, there's no excitement. There's nothing new. And this was going into a classroom every day and really challenging myself to think differently, um, to read things in a different way, you know, having conversations with 19 year olds about feminism and colonization and all of these things really challenged me as a middle-aged white woman to think differently about what I was reading. And it was, it was really exciting and, and energizing. And I think that's why when I finished that degree, I wanted to continue on because I hadn't learned everything I wanted to learn. I hadn't gotten everything out of it that I wanted to. So that's why I did the, the master's, the graduate degree at St. Andrews. Yeah. So was the, your undergraduate degree and your master's, were they in the same, essentially the same subject or did you specialize yeah, so when you I went to master's? Uh, at the at U of T, I did an undergrad in English literature. Okay. And then at St. Andrews, I did a master's in just speci in specifically romantic and Victorian literature. So sure. you know, I like I like the old stuff. You know, give me Jane Austen or the Brontes or Dickens, and I'm happy. Yeah. So yes, yeah, you need to you need to come down to our neck of the woods. So we're not a million miles from from Bath, which of course Jane Austen mm -hmm. was famously uh therefore and winchester as well is just a little way the other way so yeah we've got a couple of cities near us that are very jane austen related um yeah so your move to scotland was it did you come because they offered the course and you just felt st andrews what a place i mean what a place to study first off i mean incredible university uh, and I've already spoken to um, somebody else, Hannah, who's uh, doing her PhD in chemistry up there. Uh, and famously, of course, um, uh, we've had some royals run through uh, St Andrews. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. so lo lots of <laughs> lots of connections with with the university in terms of Jay's fans. What what was the carrot for you to go to St Andrews? Bar anything else? Yeah, part of it was the. Part of it was the course they were offering. So um, a number of the other universities that I had applied to 
didn't offer a master's program that was so sort of time specific. You could do master's programs in English literature more broadly, but St. Andrews was one of the very few that offered sort of that romantic Victorian era that I was so interested in. Um, so that was one of the reasons, but really I think the biggest reason was I just wanted an opportunity to go and live in Scotland for a little while <laughs> and it was a good way to get a visa to be able to go and live. So yeah. Yeah. Had you been before? I had not been to Scott. Well, no, I hadn't been to Scotland previously. I spend a lot of time in England. Um, I have a very good friend that lives sort of in the Reading, Oxford area. Yep. Um, She lives in a very small village um, and we've been friends. She worked over here in Canada for a few years and uh, we've been friends for about 20 years. So we take turns visiting each other. I come over to the UK or she comes to Canada. Um, So I had done a lot of travel through England um, in, in particular, um, but hadn't really done any time in Scotland. And um, I did one of those ancestry DNA tests. I knew that our family, just look at me, I knew our family was from the British Isles originally, um, but I didn't realize how much of our ancestry was actually Scottish. So um, I wanted to, Scotland's always been a place that I wanted to go and visit and just hadn't really gone north of the border um, so I thought St. Andrews would be a nice place to live. It's a nice town. It's not too big. If you've got to be in a global pandemic, it's probably a nice place to ride things out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I get, yeah. I, yeah, we had, well, presumably the pandemic hadn't really kicked in in terms of lockdown by the time you were here prior to lockdown, were you? No, I wasn't. I came in right in the middle of lockdown. So I moved oh, wow. over in August of 2020. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, so it was a little bit touch and go as to whether or not I was actually going to get over there for classes because, um, a lot of the visa offices and the government offices were closed and things were backlogged. Um, and the visa offices opened the beginning of August and I was able to get everything finalized. Um, so when I moved over, I had to do the full 14 days quarantined, not being able to see anybody, um, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was, we, I think we had about three classes in person and the rest of all of my course was online. Um, but the interesting thing was out of the 12 people that were in my course, pretty much all of us were actually in St. Andrews, despite the fact that pretty much all of us were from North America. Ah, So yeah, all of the, all of the American girls that, um, that I studied with over there, they all resided in St. Andrews as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, we had, so we, we made the best of it. Uh, lots of outdoor gatherings and hanging out in the quad and walking the beaches and that kind of thing. So Uh, any, any rounds of golf for you there? No, unfortunately not. Um, I'm not the best golfer in the world. I believe the word is duffer. Um, (laughs) that's a very English word or expression. Yeah. Very good. Or British. Uh, yeah, my my dad is a real golfer, so needless to say, my dad is quite disappointed that I have returned to Canada from St. Andrews, especially yeah. with the Open happening there this summer. Uh, he was really hoping to have free accommodation to be able to go to the Open, but yeah, Didn't unfortunately happen. not. 
Uh, so no, I did walk the course a few times during the winter and stuff when people weren't playing. It's a beautiful course. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I did. I did the walks, as Mark Twain said. Golf is just a good walk ruined. So I just did totally. the walk. Yeah. Now it is a beautiful, uh, beautiful course, and of course it's quite iconic as it's coming up that 18th hole. Um, yeah. Back up towards yeah. The I do. Not, I do have the picture of me coming across the little bridge. So. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Excellent. Well done. I mean, what what an adventure for you. How was how did you find the separation from your home nation living away? Did you did you miss Canada when you were were here? Were you pleased to be heading back or would you have liked to have stayed a bit longer? Um, you know, I think it was a bit of an odd situation for me because we were in a pandemic. So even if I had been home in Canada, I wouldn't have been able to travel to see my family. Um, you know, I was still doing Zoom drinks with friends back in Canada and those types of things. So um, I think there was a bit of a difference because I wouldn't have been able to do anything differently in Canada that I was able to do in Scotland with my friends in Canada. Um, so I didn't really miss it. And I've done a lot of travel and a lot of living abroad for work over the years. I lived in Taiwan for a year. Um, I've been back and forth to Chicago every other week for three years. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of used to, to not being kind of settled. Um, so, yeah, I didn't, other than the time zone difference in trying to stay connected with people. Um, <laughs> Welcome was, to our world. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, and I was doing a little bit of work for a company back in Canada, a little bit of consulting. So I occasionally would have, you know, the 10 p.m., phone call with clients and those types of things. But no, I absolutely loved my time in Scotland. I didn't really want to come back. Unfortunately, my visa had run out um, because I had a, a student visa. Um, I had thought about actually applying to do another master's program in Scotland. So I'm currently doing another master's program back here in London. So <laughs> I'm still doing my education. Um, well done. And yeah, so I had thought about doing another um, another program back in the UK, but unfortunately, international student fees are yes. slightly outrageous. So, <laughs> yeah, that, well, no, they they totally are. We we looked. My daughter did uh, chemistry at, at Bath University, uh, but there was at one point she was looking at Toronto in terms of coming across. But just like you, the the the, the international yeah. fees students, it's just like that's. We can't do that, I'm afraid. Uh, there's just not an option available to us. It's very, very expensive. Interestingly, the first, the first lady I, um, or the first episode I did on, on this pod with the, with a young lady called Meg, um, who's from Ontario, and she's literally just moved yep. to to Scotland. You may you may know Meg through through Twitter and stuff, but uh, yeah. So yep. she's just going through all that that sort of getting acclimatized to the Scottish ways and accents and yes, cultures I, and all I, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I've been I've been following her on Twitter as well and and following right. her adventures and yeah. um you know I know she was in Edinburgh last week and was, was. getting her first views of Edinburgh and yeah. she's she's learning how to understand the Glaswegians. Uh-huh. I can't <laughs> is, understand the Glaswegians. No, neither can I. I have um a great uncle who was from Glasgow and I don't think I ever understood a word he said my entire life. Yeah. Neither did my father. Um, no. you know, we just, it, it, and, and that's coming from a family who's the majority of my family comes from the Canadian East Coast. 
Mm. So they already have a bit of that sort of yes, uh, they do. maritime accent. They so. do. Yeah, they have. I was watching a program uh, some months ago and it was it was on on spectacular hotels around the world and there's this hotel in newfoundland which is literally right out on a rock it's yep. almost the furthest east you could go and they were interviewing uh, a couple of sisters i think i remember who were working in this hotel and their accent was the most weird thing i'd ever heard because it was a bit canadian as you say it was a bit scottish but it was also devon is a county just down the yep. coast from us here and it was very devonian so there was some very devonian words and it was just this real mix of t- dialects it was very strange yeah, yeah it's it's a very strange and depending on where you go um some of it is more scottish where other areas are a little bit more irish uh, so there's this very strange mix of scottish irish canadian and then you get into New Brunswick and you start to throw in a lot of the French um, from Acadia, right? So it's it's a it's very odd mix that goes on on the East Coast. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, and I think that's one of the reasons that I was actually able to pick up on the Scottish accent um, quite easily, not so much in Glasgow, but in the rest of Scotland, I didn't really seem to have that much of a problem. No, actually, the Scottish accent generally. Uh, is is lovely i love the scottish accent i think yeah. it is just the glaswegians are so so sharp and so quick and and it's, it's the speed yeah <laughs> it's the speed yeah it's the speed and and they're using slightly different words to explain something that means yeah. something to them locally so if you know somebody like me going in or you going in i don't know what that means so <laughs> even though they're speaking our language it's um yeah it's a whole whole new ball game yeah Right. We are here really to talk about baseball, but it's lovely to get just a feel for, for you and your travels and, and what you've been about. So let's just rewind the clock then. When What was your earliest memory then of going to the see the Jays play? Um, well, I remember, I do remember the 1985 season. Okay. Um, I don't think, we never went to see baseball games live, but we watched a lot of baseball on TV. I have a a younger brother. um, And that was the one thing that my father, my brother, and I all connected on was sports. So Toronto Blue Jays, Toronto Maple Leafs, thus the baseball caps in the Uh, background. Yeah, just going to talk about Uh, them. The the Raptors are in the middle, um, but they didn't exist back then. Um, So yeah, so it, it was one of those the Blue Jays was one of those things that was sort of a family tradition for us. Um, We always watched the Blue Jays right from, I want to say right from 77 when they first started. Um, They were always kind of there in our family. Um, I think the first season that I, so 85, I remember the 85 season and I remember a lot of the players from the 85 season, but I think the first season that really stuck with me was 92. Um, I had I had just moved to Toronto in 1990, and so the first that first run in '92 when we won the World Series, I had gone to a few games with friends from work and that kind of thing. So the company that I worked for was a major sponsor of the Toronto Blue Jays. So we had a box, you know, we had a corporate box and those types of things to take our clients to, um, you know. Um, 
but so I where, do remember. So where in, yeah, where in the ballpark was the box? Was it behind home plate or was it in the outfield? No, it was off on the side. Um, I'm trying to remember if it was left field or right field. I don't remember if it was left. I think it was. I, th- I want to say it was left field, um, but quite out in the outfield. Um, but still good enough that you got a great view, and it's always nice to be pampered when you watch a baseball game. So, <laughs> so yeah, I remember going and seeing a few games that year, um, and then I do remember the night we won the World Series because where I lived in downtown Toronto completely erupted into a spontaneous parade on Young Street, um, and there was there was a million of us out on young street that night. Um, and I remember that I remember going out and being part of that crowd. Um, so hey, that what was, was that, what, what was that like? Because obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously in terms of the Jays, uh, I mean, I'm just sort of thinking about your parents, um, perhaps your dad more in terms of his love of the sport prior to the Jays being in existence. Did, did, did he have an allegiance to another team before the Jays came along or was it? Nope. Nope. Um, I, I, and I think it was more myself and my brother that became fans and my dad became a fan because his kids were fans. So I had, I had actually started playing softball when I was about seven years old. So I had always been playing the game. And of course, as a girl, I had to play softball. I wasn't allowed to play baseball. Um, but I had been playing since I think I started T-ball at the age of six and went right into softball at the age of seven played right into my adult years um we won our division championship one year when i was about wow. 15. made the newspaper got to ride on the back of the fire truck with the Yay. sirens going the whole thing um, so yeah so that was softball baseball was always kind of that was my sport my brother played hockey shocking um So, you know, when the Jays came along, that was kind of the professional sport that dad and I could bond over because Sean and dad, well, I also am a huge hockey fan, but um, it was, it was, you know, the boys had hockey and I had baseball. So that was kind of our connection. It still is today. Every time I talk to my dad, the first thing we talk about is how are the Jays doing? Brilliant. I love, I love that. I love that sort of family dynamic. Uh, We've got it with our kids that, uh, you know they're, they're all quite sporty but and they have certain conversations that just click with one child that doesn't click with another and uh it sounds like you're very very similar so you, yeah so you're celebrating just sorry i interrupted you but you're celebrating out in young street what what was that moment like first world series for this team uh or you know was what 15 years or so into their yeah existence uh, yeah and i was so i was in my early 20s and we're talking about somebody who moved from a town of 2000 people to Toronto. <laughs> so now standing out on a street two years after moving there with a million people around, I remember it being really loud, um, but just really joyful. I like, I don't, I don't recall there being any trouble. I know that, you know, the police were out in full force, but they weren't doing anything because people were just, we were so happy that people, there wasn't fighting. There wasn't, it was just people walking cars, not even moving up, going up and down the street, but just honking their horns and, you know, Toronto Blue Jays flags flying. And um, yeah, it just, 
it was just one of those things where I just stepped out for a few minutes just to kind of soak it in because it was like, this is something we hadn't seen in Toronto since 1967. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't mention the year. <laughs> <laughs> you know. As, as an Englishman, you understand our pain. I, I do. <laughs> I certainly do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, um, it was an amazing thing to be part of. And then shortly after that, um, because our company was a major sponsor of the team, we actually had a barbecue at our office and they brought the World Series trophy up. And a bunch of the players came along and signed autographs and and that kind of thing. Wow. So, so I have got, I have have you got a photo with with the World Series trophy? I do have a picture of myself with the World Series trophy standing beside Dwayne Ward with his Fantastic. giant World Series ring on. Yeah. Can you can you can you send that to me? And then what we'll do I will is see we'll, if I can. I will see if I can find, find it. it. Yeah, if yeah. you can find it, we'll put it, we'll put it on the video of this. Because that yeah, would be so cool for people uh, to see. That's amazing. Yeah, I have I have pictures of of me with the World Series trophy, um, and I had the opportunity to meet some of the players. So I got to meet people like Pat Borders, um, and Tom wow. Hankey, and, yeah. and you know those kind of those guys. Um, yeah. So it's you know it's, it's, it's one of those things. I have autographs um, from a lot of them. The in 93, when they came back in 93, I was actually on crutches because I had hurt myself playing baseball. Uh. <laughs> and, and so I have a set of crutches somewhere that has autographs from Dave Winfield and Pat Borders and Kelly Gruber. And yeah. no way. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, what a unique bit of uh, memorabilia that I don't yeah. suppose there's many people out there with crutches that have got those guys signatures on them. Probably not. No. no, that's that's fantastic. And the '93 series obviously was famously won uh, with Joe Carter's home run. How was that moment different to winning it the first time round? Was was the was the sort of ex- expectation that particular year in '93 that they would do back to back? Can you remember what what the thinking was? <sighs> I'm trying to remember if we actually thought that they would go back to back. I don't, I don't think there was ever at the beginning of the season. I don't recall there ever being sort of that anticipation or that expectation. Um, but again, that was a long time ago and my memories are yeah. big. Um, but I do remember the same level of excitement around the playoffs um and you know i remember watching that call when joe hit the home run um i was actually (laughs) as sad as it is i was actually at an event um where we were supposed to be focusing on um, a couple of people who were having a little event um they were getting married (laughs) and um we ended up wheeling in TVs into the wedding reception um, because otherwise nobody was going to go to the wedding reception. Yeah. It was basically what had happened. So could, yeah. Could, did they not foresee that when they were doing their wedding planning that well, on the I, day of their it, wedding, that this event might not be taking place? 
Well, I, I don't know if you can actually anticipate a lot of people plan their weddings, you know, a year out and those types of yeah. things. And yeah. you never know what the schedule is going to look like. And of course. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I remember gathering around the TV set with a bunch of people and, and watching Joe Carter touch them all as he rounded yeah. the base. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that, again, that was a massive, massive moment for the ball club going back to back. Uh, not often that is achieved. Yeah. I, I remember because my first visit was in 94. So I was the year after those two World Series. And certainly my recollection of my first visit into Toronto and seeing the Jays play was very much that they were still a competing team. Obviously, the 94 was a washout in terms of the strike. And, um, you know, I only just scraped in that just before they went on strike, actually, to see them play. But even at that point, you know, it was pretty much the same roster as had won the World Series the year before. The Sky Dome was, was packed full of people. Um, summer's evening, just fell in love with the club, fell in love with the city. Uh, but I think, you know, there was clearly an expectation that that team could still do something, even even in, into that third year, if you like. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, everything changed rather dramatically through the rest of 94 and quite a way into 95 and, and, and so on. So if we wind the clock forward, Rhonda, what was the next sort of major memory for you for the Jays? Would it have been sort of the 2015, 16? I mean, are we really talking all those years between? Because there wasn't a lot of success. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of joy in those years in between. Um, you know, I, I always watched the Jays. Um, it, there was always somebody to cheer for, whether it was Delgado or, you know, like there was, there was always something interesting happening with the team, even if the team wasn't really doing that well. Um, so I did watch the the teams through those years. Um, I think about 20, I'm trying to remember when the first time it was 2014, maybe 2013. I don't remember. Um, a friend and I decided that we were going to go to Florida during spring training. Uh, and so we decided that um, for spring training, we were going to get tickets for a couple of Jays games in Dunedin. We were going to go and stay um, in Clearwater for a week and just take our break. And, and um, so we did that the first year and we stayed in Clearwater and we got a couple of, we got a couple of games over in Dunedin um, and we had an absolute blast. Although we did realize that staying in Clearwater and going to baseball games in Dunedin was a terrible idea because the traffic is horrendous on the causeway. Yeah, yeah, it's an awful drive. So um, the following year, we decided we were going to do it again. We had so much fun doing it that we were going to do it again. Um, only that time we decided we were going to stay on the other side of the causeway. So we were going to stay closer to Dunedin. Um, and we stayed in a place called Tarpon Springs, um, which was fine. Um, but still, we had to find ways to get back and forth to Dunedin. So by the third year, uh, we decided we were just going to stay right in Dunedin. So um, since then, and we've done this every year. Um, in fact, the, our last trip down for spring training was February of 2020, right before everything went into lockdown. So we had just returned back from Dunedin when they started to close all the borders. 
Um, so we've been doing it every year. We go down, we stay in a hotel right in Dunedin, right in the old downtown part of the of the town, walking distance to the ballpark. Um, so we've been doing that for a long time now. Um, and every year, it's just the two of us go down together and, and have some fun. And we go to a few ball games. We've, we've now... We've, we've ventured out a little bit. We've now been over to Steinbrenner Field a couple of times to see the Jays play the Yankees over at Steinbrenner. Uh, so we've done that a couple of times. And then one year we decided um, she was at a charity event and one of the silent auction prizes was a VIP trip to spring training. So basically the trip that they take all of the leadership of the corporate sponsors on. So like, you know, the president of West Jack, those types of things. Um, and, and so we decided that we would bid on it up to, you know, what it would normally cost us to do our spring training trip. And we ended up winning it for less than what we had paid for what we normally would pay. Cause this was after the 2016 season. So this was kind of, we were on the slide back down again and, um, people were kind of not as interested. So we did the VIP trip, which was one of the most fascinating things I've ever done. Um, we had, we had a chartered plane from Toronto down to, uh, Tampa, uh, WestJet, obviously, um, in which the, um, CEO of WestJet actually served the coffee service on the flight, uh, which was a lot of fun, um, yeah. And, you know, we got to do fantasy baseball camp and um, we got to go to um, a, a dinner with some of the players and a bunch of the broadcasters. So got to meet people like Buck um, and um, Arash Madani and, you know, a bunch of those people. And um, as well, we got to have dinner and at our table, we had the lovely Tim Meza. Um, at our table uh, for dinner. And he was just absolutely fantastic to talk to a very down to earth, humble, just genuinely nice person. Um, if you look on my Twitter, you will see me with Randall Gritchick, um, of course, because, you know, as a female who doesn't want to have their picture taken with Randall Gritchick um, and <laughs> picture of me with Anthony Alford, um, also a lovely gentleman and, uh, and I believe there's a picture at some point, actually, it's with me and Randall Gritchick, but um, Mike Wilner is photobombing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a, it was a fascinating trip. Um, we actually got the VIP treatment from Tampa. They put us on the coach um, and we had a police escort from Tampa into Clearwater where we were staying so that they could get the bus full of all of these executives to their hotel as quickly as possible. I've never had a police escort anywhere before. That was fascinating. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and we got to, you know, we got to be coached by the Alomars. Um, so, you know, Sandy Alomar senior and yeah, um, very, a lot of that, fun. I mean, that's almost a, a trip of a lifetime, isn't it? For a Jays fan to be able to do something like I, I'm, very jealous just as you're talking i think oh my goodness that is it's good enough because everybody tells me that spring training is an amazing trip to do because yeah. it's uh, obviously a lot smaller than being at um in toronto but the access to the players and, and, and it's obviously much more relaxed in terms of um what, what's going on 
it sounds like a great trip, but then to do something like that, what a yeah. privilege. Yeah. And, and, you know, we did it and then we were like, okay, and now we can go back to doing spring training our way, um, which is much more relaxed and not as scheduled. You know, we would rock up to the ballpark and then hang out and watch batting practice and take pictures and try to get autographs with all the rest of the children. Um, you know, <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, and we have some, we have some great photos over the years. We've got pictures of, you know, my friend with John Gibbons um, and Joe Biagini and just, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these guys that, you know, some of them did make it into the big leagues. Some of them didn't. Um, you get to meet some of the young kids that, you may never see play again. So yeah, spring training is a fantastic thing to do. Yeah. What's your prized autograph that you've got from your spring training visits? Um, I'm trying to think. It's not from my spring training, um, but I do have an autographed baseball from Joe Carter. Yeah, which I love. Um, I'm trying to think who else I've got. You know, I've got a, I've gotten a lot of them over the years. So I've Carlos Delgado, um, who I who I really like. I think probably John Gibbons uh, getting his because he autographed the inside, no, the top of a baseball cap for us. Um, which and, and he's you know he's a very fun guy. Um, as as you know as as it comes rowdy across as, yeah. as rowdy as he can get in the dugout. Um, he's, he's actually a really nice guy. Joe Biagini obviously is quite funny. Um, we have a lot of fun with him. Um, trying to think who else from spring training. We've got a lot. We got Russell Martin one year. Um, I think one of my favorites was probably RA Dickey. Yeah. Cause he must've been, so I think in 2013 was the first time I brought my family out um, and he'd just been signed. And of course in 2013, there was the big hope that that, that was the year that they were going to win the world series and they fell short very quickly. I think even by about this time in the year in April, it was just like, no, it's not happening this year. <laughs> uh, but, but Dickie was obviously the big name that had been, or one of the big names that had been brought in that, that particular season. Yeah, um, I, I loved watching him pitch. I love a knuckleballer. So yeah, yeah, it's just so uniquely different, isn't it? To any and Dickie's just a fantastic bloke. I mean, he comes across as as yeah. somebody again, very genuine. Uh, really like the guy, uh, like like what he says. Uh, yeah, uh, have you did. read his book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I very much appreciated his book. It, yeah, it made yeah, you really think about you know what he had to do to actually get to the position he was totally. in. Yeah. Yeah, hum humble man. Brilliant. Okay, well, uh, beyond spring training, uh, let's just dip into your your fifty fifty world with uh, Elizabeth. Uh, so, how, how long had you been serving in that role or working in that role? So I did it for two years. Uh, so the first summer that I was back in Toronto when I had gone back to school. Um, I decided I wanted something. I was taking classes through the summer, but I wanted something that would occupy my time. And I figured instead of spending all my money buying tickets to go to baseball games, I would let them pay me to go to baseball games. Um, so, yeah, so I signed up to do 50-50. Um, and um, yeah, it was for me, it was more about just getting to go to the baseball games um, and doing some fundraising for a really good charity and that kind of thing. Um, and I actually, 
Elizabeth and I met because we were, I think we were leaving training together or we were leaving one of the first games walking out at the same time. And we were walking to the subway and we realized that we lived two subway stops away from each other. So then we just started traveling back and forth to the games together. And we became really good friends just from traveling back and forth on the subway together um, during the games. Yeah. So I did um, the first year, which would have been 2017 would have been the first year because prior to that, I actually had a ticket package um, that I had 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 for, I had a 20 game pack or something that I had had for a number of years um, so I had previously been going to the games, even when I lived in Vancouver, I was flying home back to Toronto pretty regularly to go to games. Um, so, you know, cause you can't miss a Canada day. No, um, of course. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it would have been 20, this 2017 season would be the mm, 2017, maybe 2018 was the first season I worked. Um, yeah, it must, must have been 2018 was the first season that I worked um, with Elizabeth and the 50-50 team. Um, and yeah, I had a, had a great year that year. Um, it's fantastic to be able to go and do fundraising and meet other fans and talk about baseball and, um, you know, even meet fans from other teams, even the Yankees fans. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but yeah, you know. Um, you know, it, it's what it's one of those things where, you know, you meet the Yankees fans and the one thing you have in common with the Yankees fan is the hatred of the of the Bo Sox, sure. Right. And yeah. then you meet the Bo Sox fans. And of the course. one thing you have a, in common is the hatred of the Yankees. So yeah. there's always something to connect to. Always a silver uh, lining. Absolutely. Yeah. So I did it. I, so I did that for the first year. And then the second year. So 2019, I would have um, I worked 50 um, 50 again. Um and then 2020, I was signed up to work, but obviously the season was canceled. Um, and then last summer, again, there was nobody in the ballpark, but I was living in Scotland at the time. So, and unfortunately now I'm in London, it's a little bit too far to travel back and forth um, regularly. It's a, you know, just over two hour drive. So um, it's a little bit too far to, to go back and forth regularly. And, and I think you did, did you do a couple of Winterfests as well? through that yeah. time yeah yes yes we did um i we did a couple of winter fests as well and um have some very interesting stories i'm i did did elizabeth tell you her story about us meeting kevin smith's father yes 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 <laughs> she told me off camera as it were uh yeah she <laughs> yes that was a great story uh, anybody listening in they're all going to be wondering what are we talking about and uh, perhaps we'll We'll let Elizabeth tell of that one day. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but that, that was a moment, certainly. 7 p.m. first pitch in Toronto. Midnight first pitch in London. We're Blue Jays fans UK. And we stay up late. You're listening to Red, White and Blue Jays. Let's just talk then a little bit about where we are today in terms of the Jays and, and excitement for 2022. Yeah. Where, where's your barometer in terms of where you think the Jays are going to end up? this season i am always ever the optimist um my father is ever the pessimist so it's always a fun conversation between the two of us okay um i like to focus on the positives of the things that are happening i think although we're sitting behind the yankees right now 
if you take a look at who we've played versus who they've played at the beginning of the season, I think we're in a much better position than what the standings are currently showing. Sure. Um, I'm very happy that we don't have to see Houston anymore this year. Yep. (laughs) I'm very happy of that. Um, I, I think we're going to finish as as long as everyone stays healthy, knock on wood. um, I think this, might be our year to at least finish top of the American league, which in itself is a feat considering who we have in our division. Yeah. Right. Um, So I think, I think it's going to be a battle all year specifically between us and the Yankees. Um, I haven't really seen a whole lot come out of Tampa at this point. Um, No, they've been a little bit quiet, haven't they? Yeah, and and Boston's been hmm. having a bit of a rough go of it as well. So um, I think it's going to be a battle between the Jays and the Yankees, kind of for top spot. Um, but I definitely, if we don't make the playoffs by finishing first, definitely a wild card position. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this is this year looks to be a very good year for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think all of the pieces are truly coming together. I think the addition of Chapman this year on the hot corner totally. is a great thing for us. The third base has been a bit of a challenge since Donaldson left. So yep. it's nice to have Chapman in there. Um, I think Vladdy at first base, best move they could have done with him. Mm. Um, he's, a gr- he's a very good first baseman. Yeah, um, I like Espinal at second. I, I, he's, he's doing a really good job. Bo, Bo's still Bo. <laughs> Come on, let, let's let's have that glass half full rather than half empty. Yeah. About Bo. You know, I I think Bo is, I think his defense is improving. Um, I, I it's interesting. I can see some of the things he's doing on field this year. You can tell that he was training with Tulowitzki in the offseason. Yeah. Because he's he's a lot of his actions are really mimicking kind of the way that Tulowitzki played shortstop. Sure. Um so yeah, and I think he actually does better when he kind of plays that too low style of shortstop, the on-the-move catch-and-throw rather than the having time to stop and think about where he needs to throw it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think he's just – I think there's just a lot of room for him to continue to grow. Yeah. Uh, I'll be happy to see Teoscar back um, because Vladdy needs that protection in the batting order. Um, but uh, like I think they're saying he's hopefully going to be back this week. Yeah, I think um, that he's, he's done some live, so. yeah, done some live batting, hasn't he? Um, I think all three of them who've been out in terms of Rio, Tioscar, and Danny Jansen. Yeah. Um, I think they're all. Yeah, doing I feel some bad life. for Danny because he started off so, so strong this <sighs> yeah. season too. He actually had his offense game going. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I felt really bad for him. I hope he comes back and and can kind of pick up where he started the season. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So no, I think generally excited. I think, I think, I think we can put that into the excited, excited column. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for this team. They're a fun team to watch. Mm. Um, I would prefer if there weren't so many one run games. Um, <laughs> they're a bit stressful, um, but you know, you look at it and you say, these are the games last year that they were losing by one run, not winning by run one run. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Haven't lost a series yet. Obviously drew the one against the Yankees. 
Yeah, tonight we got Manoa. So hopefully this will, you know, we haven't lost two games in a row yet this season either. So hopefully Manoa will keep that going for us. Yeah. I mean, there is, I think when you sort of take a step back and take the emotion out of it in terms of, you know, every game we watch, we want them to win, of course. Um, The reality is they're not going to win every game. So I think, as you say, the, the opposition that they've had to start the season off compared to other teams i'm really happy where they're at right now i think i think you know we we can just say guys yeah you've and they've also had to contend with all the injuries and and setbacks and all that sort of thing um as well as kikuchi not pitching quite where we would want him to be uh, yeah obviously Ryu yeah. taken out yeah so there's lots of things yeah but, and and i have to say stripling's done a really good job stepping in for Ryu. Um, totally. and and the bullpen has been stronger i think a lot of people thought the bullpen might be uh, an area of weakness for us and i think our bullpen has kind of stepped up um so it's, far uh, you know between totally. simber and and Meza and then jordan obviously yep. um you know you gotta, you gotta love the canadian kid who comes out there and just shuts it down so yeah uh, my, my concern with jordan is that as you, as you reflected that we've had so many one run games yeah. that he can't clearly sustain multiple game after game after game after game after game coming out to do saves and um i I think that that's the only bit that i'm just slightly concerned is that the bats haven't fully woken up yet and i think once that happens then that will take the pressure off off jordan and the team will start to really start to roll i think as you said about Bo not being quite there I mean, he's starting to find his rhythm. Obviously, he got his grand slam. Then I think the last yeah. two, three games, he's he's at least got a hit in. Uh, so you know, he's starting to to pull away. Yeah, if all of the can get, up. Yeah, you get Teoscar in there behind Vladdy again, and so yeah. pitchers have to start pitching to Vladdy again. Yeah. Um, and and I think you know, I think Vladdy's had a like. I think he's had a bit of a rough go at it. I think the umps have been a little unfair to him lately. If you mm. take a look at sort of, <laughs> you know, some of the calls that have gone against him and, you know, he doesn't seem to be one that gets angry often. So when he slammed the bat down the other day, it was yeah okay. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's frustrated now. Um, but I think you get Tay Oscar back in there and pitchers have to start pitching to Vladdy again. I think he's going to, his bat's going to turn around really quick. Yeah. What was your take on Charlie this year? We've seen a few fiery moments from him. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I like fiery Charlie. Fiery um, Charlie. And, and, yeah. I like fiery Charlie. I, I like the fact that he gets right in there and takes the hit for his players. Right. Um, and that he fully acknowledges that that's what he's doing. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw the pictures of him after he got tossed out the other night. Um, playing the up on stage with a jazz band. Oh yeah. Did you see that? (laughs) Right. Like, so, you know, obviously this was, it was a, I took the bullet for Vladdy. We didn't want him to get thrown out and moving on. Um, He just seems to be, I think the first couple of years he was here, people were a little bit. Well, he had a really rough start, didn't he? In 2019. I mean, it was a terrible season. Yeah. And, and I think people were a little bit cautious too, because he was so different from Gibby mm. um, as far as sort of his approach and his mentality with the team and that kind of thing. So 
Um, and, and Gibby was, you know, and still is beloved in Toronto. Um, so, you know, I, I think people took a while to warm up to, to Charlie. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like, I like Charlie, but I like that Charlie's showing some passion and some fire um, as well this mm. year that I think, um, and I think it's kind of, contagious from the rest of the team it's sort of that passion that you see in the dugout all the time the dancing and the cheering and the you know the actual hugging and 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 happiness for each other when they're doing well Mm. and kind of that that real camaraderie that you're seeing in the dugout um I think that's part of what's kind of fueling Charlie's passion a little bit as well is that sort of that whole thing that's going on in the in the clubhouse right now yeah it's great to see, isn't it? And I think, you know, it's been building it particularly, I think, from that 2020 season down in Dunedin and then through the, the switch around last year, then coming home into Toronto. Uh, and again, the rebirthing of the home run jacket and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, great, great yeah. to see. Lots of excitement. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think the experience of the last two years of not being at home and being constantly on the road really kind of has that team, that group of, of players has really gone through something that is very unique. And there's a bond that was created within that team because of what they went through in the last couple of years that we're now seeing manifesting as this real brotherhood in the dugout, this yeah. real affection and fondness for each other um, yeah. that, that we see in the dugout today. Yeah. Good stuff. Rondo, it's been brilliant chatting with you. I, I've really, really enjoyed it. I love listening to all your stories. I'm going to do my top 10 questions, which I do with everybody that comes on. Uh, just do little quick, quick fire questions, nothing too, too complicated, uh, just to finish off our time together. Okay. So who are you most excited for uh, in this coming season? Which player are you looking to think, actually, this could be a big year for them? Oh, um. I'm going to say Tim Meza just because. Because uh, you had dinner with him. Gone, well, I had dinner with him, but I also, <laughs> um, he's gone through a lot to get to where he is now. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm really happy to see him pitching well after, you know, going through the surgery and the whole having to recuperate yeah. and come back. I'm really happy to see how well he's pitching. Yeah. Brilliant. That's a great show. Your favorite Jays player of all time? that's a tough one. Um, I'm probably going to go with Devon White. Okay. Yeah. I used to, I love watching Devon White roam the outfield. The man looked like he took two steps and he was wherever he needed to be. Um, Nothing ever looked difficult in the field for him. I just, I love watching him play out in the field. And I guess some of your earliest memories of watching the Jays would have been around him as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Who would you have liked to have seen on the Jays roster that has never arrived? You know, I, I don't know. Um, Probably James Paxton. I would have loved to have seen them sign big maple. So you had a Canadian ace playing on a Mm. Canadian team. Yeah, um, I think that would have been interesting. Hmm. And that's really important for Canadians, isn't it? I think we forget that, particularly obviously us looking in from the UK, but um, certainly I can imagine 
those in the States looking in. Actually, yeah. Canadian baseball players are fairly few and far between, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, no, and so to, to hence, you know, Jordan's uh, excitement at the moment. But um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I can see your shout on that one. Your favourite ballpark away from Skydome? Well, I've spent a lot of time at Wrigley Field. Um, okay. So love Wrigley. Um, but I have to say probably my favourite to go visit is... I don't know what they're calling it nowadays. It used to be Safeco in Seattle. Yep. Um, whatever they're, whatever they've renamed it as lately. Uh, uh, I should know, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, it does look does uh, look an amazing place because it gets flooded with Jays fans, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's a beautiful ballpark. Um, and the times that we've been there, we've gone down for Jays games, and it's always it's a family event when we go down. So my father and my brother's family, we get my nieces involved. Um, and we go and do do Seattle up big for a few days. Yeah. Um, but it is a beautiful ballpark. Um, yeah. Very it's, nice. It, it's a nice place to to watch a ball game. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's probably my favorite. But Wrigley's a close second. Okay. Yeah, I've been to Wrigley, but uh, not not across to to Seattle. Your favorite baseball food that you'd have at a game? What would you go for? Oh, I'm a. I'm usually a pizza, a pizza okay. person. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. And yeah. what drink would you have with your pizza? Any, uh, any particular faves? We usually go with a cider. Okay, very yeah. nice. Yeah, I, beer, beer is a little bit too heavy for me, but a nice hard cider. Yeah. It, it's a nice refreshing drink on a hot sunny day with the roof open. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Day game or night game? I like the day games. I like the day games with the roof open, the sun shining in, the CN Tower in the background. Yeah. It is yeah. quite a sight, isn't it? When you're sitting, sitting on that third base side of the ground, looking back at yeah. the tower. Yeah, very nice too. Your favorite Jay's jersey color? Oh, it's probably got to be the baby blue. Okay. Have you, have you got yeah. one? I do. Yes, I have the baby. I have a red one, a dark blue one, a white one. And a baby blue. Yeah. All right. So you always got the full set. Not quite. Need to get a gray. Yeah. Get a road gray yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the gray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all right. You're allowed not to like one. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, on the back of your baby blue jersey, what number would you go for? I have left it purposely blank. <laughs> so on all of my other jerseys, I have always had a name and number. Okay. And as soon as I get that jersey, that player then gets traded to another <laughs> team. So this time, just to make sure that none of them got traded, sure. I didn't put anything on the back of the jersey. Okay, fair, fair enough. That's okay. Uh, we sort of answered this question. Uh, roof open or roof closed? Open. Open every day. Absolutely open, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think most people, I think people are grateful for the roof because it does mean you get to see a ball game. And uh, certainly for, for the guys like us traveling in from the UK, yep. it's, that's quite an important factor that, you know, you pay all that money to go and then it's rained out. Uh, so to have a roof is a really useful thing. But uh, all the games I've been to with the roof open, as you say, a sunny day, brilliant backdrop. Yeah. Uh, and particularly into the evening, I, I quite like the sort of late afternoon start where you get a bit of sunshine, then dropping into the nighttime and getting yeah. all the lights. It's a beautiful place. It's yep. a great place. Excellent. Rhonda, 
thank you so much for spending some time. Really appreciate uh, you uh, finding a, a bit of your day to uh, take out to to chat to me. Um, if people want to find you on social media, where can they go? Uh, I am on Twitter at uh, Rhonda.Rathburn. So yeah, that's that's me. Um, I'm the one that has the little cartoon me in a Blue Jays uniform. That's it. So I'm easy yep. to find. Yeah. Um, yep. So I'm there. Um, I'm also on TikTok. Um, I'm oh. Blue Jays Rhonda on TikTok. Okay. Very good. Do yeah. you do a lot of TikTok videos? I don't right now, but I will be starting soon because I'm um, going to be getting a new puppy. So my new puppy will become the star of my TikTok videos. Excellent. Okay, great. If you want to go find Rhonda and her puppy when she he or she arrives, <laughs> that, that, that would be brilliant. Rhonda, thanks so much. Uh, lovely to chat with you. I'm sure we'll catch up again uh, fairly shortly. Guys, Thank you for listening in. I uh, hope you've enjoyed our time with Rhonda and uh, we will look forward to catching up with you again on another episode here on Red, White and Blue Jays. Take care. Bye-bye. The Red, White and Blue Jays podcast is a production of Blue Jays Fans UK. If you've got a Blue Jays story to share, let us know. Email us at bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com and follow along on Twitter and Instagram at bluejaysfansuk. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening.